3: up America Doug Gottlieb show Fox Sports Radio hopefully you guys had a great Labor Day weekend summer's over football's here college football you had your weekend the National Football League gets underway in just two days the defending champs uh, last two defending NFC champions will face off in Philadelphia a place where uh, the Eagles held on to beat the Falcons um, going back a couple of months ago, and we'll see the same two quarterbacks as Nick Foles will get the start going against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. A lot to get to. Adam Carriker, former All-American with Nebraska, is going to join us. We'll ask him what he learned from this weekend in college football. Is Michigan's offensive line issue, are they fixable? The rinky-dink, dink-and-dung offense from Florida State, is, is, is that what we're going to see from the Knowles from this point forward? And it, it feels like you can pencil in Alabama and Clemson into the national semifinals. Am I crazy to think that? All right, that upcoming in 15 minutes. James Laurinaitis is going to join us from the Big Ten Network and College Football on Fox. We'll ask him about the struggles of Penn State, Michigan State, and, of course, Michigan, and uh, the dominant performance of Ohio State. And then we're going to get about a half hour with Rick Pitino. He's got a new book out telling his side of the story. And could this story be the last story of his uh, legendary college basketball and NBA coaching career. We'll ask Rick Petino, who will join us at 2 o'clock on the West Coast, 5 o'clock on the East Coast. So, deep breath, a lot to talk about. Got some hoops, got some college football. But we can't start an NFL season. This is year three. Can't start an NFL season without talking about Colin Kaepernick. Not on a team. Hadn't been on a team in over a year. Still suing the NFL. That collusion case will apparently go to trial as the NFL lost uh, the first ruling going back to last week. But of course, Nike kind of dropped this, uh, this uh, enormous um, surprise on us yesterday when they made him the face of their 30th anniversary ad campaign. By now, I, I believe you've seen it. I don't need to go into it. I'll only say this. I was really surprised, but I shouldn't be surprised because this is what seems to be happening with the kneeling and the Anthem controversy. Every time I think it goes away or it's going to go away, boom, it comes right back. It was going away last year because cap was in the league and fewer and fewer players were being recognized as protesting. And then the president of the United States called out the players And by calling out the players, it reinvigorated the energy behind the protest. The owners actually got involved and many of them showed solidarity with their players. And it was, again, part of the national discussion. Then the offseason, the NFL came away with this new rule where you got to be out. If you're out there, you got to stand. You don't have to be out there. That kept this conversation going. But then, you know, CBS came out and said, hey, we're not going to show it. Yes. Or ESPN first said, we're not going to show the anthem. Then CBS, then Fox, we're not going to show it. And so it felt like it was dying down and now it's back again. It was like a bad rash, doesn't it? it? Really does. Um and I and I honestly don't care what side of the political aisle you sit on. Don't care. Um I don't. And I I this is one of those deals to which it feels just like a it feels like genius and stupidity all at the same time for Nike genius in that we ain't talking about anybody else stupidity in that. Well, you just um, committed 10 more years to being the official Jersey sponsor of the NFL. And now you run, I guess the risk of hurting that relationship because, and I don't guess, I'm sure there were phone calls after phone calls after phone calls had this morning between New York and Beaverton, Oregon. What in the hell is this? Because Colin Kaepernick is suing the NFL and Nike, who is in bed with the NFL, is putting their money and their weight behind Colin Kaepernick. That that just doesn't happen that often. In corporate America, that just doesn't. When you sue somebody, usually you are toxic. Everybody's staying we're like, whoa, whoa, suing the NFL for collusion. Whoa, nobody's gonna to touch that. And Nike's like, yeah, we'll touch that. We're cool. And it feels like Nike has reached the too big to fail sort of uh, point. And if you want to say, well, their stock is down, well, it, it, nothing occurs in a vacuum. I believe so. too. Adidas stocks down even more. So is Under Armour stock. What does that have to do with the price of of, of tea? I'm just surprised at the timing of it. And I'm really surprised that Nike chose at this point on timing because Kaepernick is suing the NFL timing because on a Monday night on Labor Day. That's when the ad campaign is announced instead of, I mean, really bang for your buck. Couldn't you have done it Wednesday or even Thursday, first day of the NFL. On the other hand, here's the genius to it. We're all talking about it. Is it really going to affect you? You know? And to the old, to this, it's seemingly, this is, a little bit of this is, I was watching the Florida State game last night. Music, did you watch Florida State and their dink and dunk, rinky dink, half their plays got zero yards or less offense? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. What did you think of Florida State's uniforms?
0: I liked them. I actually thought they were one of the uh, alternate uniforms that I actually like. Yeah, uh, the I, the blackout I, uniforms. I thought they looked pretty good.
3: Yeah, I like Virginia Tech. I like I love the all white uniforms, the red letters, and I love Virginia Tech and what they've done with the adding the the stripe uh, to the helmets or whatever. Florida State has iconic uniforms for the last thirty years. They've been a dominant part of college football. I don't I I don't know if they need to dolly them up. I didn't like the maroon on black that I couldn't see, but I thought as as alternate uniforms go, they were pretty cool. But here's the big thing: I turned to my kids and I was like, "What do you guys think?" They're like, "Those." Uh, uniforms are awesome those are the best ones yet and that's the whole idea of these all the changing uniforms it doesn't matter what you and i think doesn't matter what your dad thinks they're trying to recruit kids that's the next generation trying to get you to pay attention to their unis to their style and i would guess that's what nike's doing here nike's sitting there going like yeah old people they're probably kind of split on this thing or maybe even less than split and they're against Colin Kaepernick's demonstration of his constitutional rights and taking a knee before the national anthem. But based on our, based on our research, younger people dig it. Younger people are anti-establishment. Younger people are pro Colin Kaepernick. Again, there's a huge amount of risk put forward, even though they're Nike and they'll be fine. The fact is you run the risk of ticking off all the police officers more so even than mil- military people are are probably, sp- are, I don't know, they're split on it. But like, look, this is the, the problem with Kaepernick is he's a leader of a movement to which he's never really said anything. He hasn't. He is a he's a voiceless leader. Additionally, he's had other issue. He had issues Before he ever took a knee, that caused him to lose his job in San Francisco. The inability to lead then, having the headphones on, not evolving as a quarterback, not able to change uh, arm angles. The league kind of adjusted to him. But the biggest thing was Colin Kaepernick wasn't a great vocal, verbal leader in the 49ers front office. Now in their facility, he wasn't a, he wasn't a dude. he wasn't a hey guys, get behind me we'll we'll be fine. And that's the same way he's been as leader of this movement. On the other hand, there there, there is a there is a an obvious uh, thrust behind this movement to where it's not against all cops. it's cops that abuse their power. Look, I sit there and go, I, I don't know how anybody would want to be a police officer. It is a thank thankless job. You know, we take shots at all the things they do, including their pensions. And yet here they are. I think most of them sign up. One, because it should be a good job. And even though it's a dangerous job, you'll be compensated. And oh, yeah, by the way, you're helping make the world a better place. I don't think they all do, but I don't think all of them or even most of them are bad. But there's some bad ones some bad football players too. We don't protest against them. But Kaepernick has never been flawless in terms of his leadership. Kaepernick is the guy who wore the pig socks. Kaepernick is a guy that wasn't willing to do the little things in order to make himself available as a backup quarterback or take a chance at going to another franchise. He has been a voiceless leader of a massive movement, a movement that was supposed to bring attention to a problem, which I think he has achieved. And he has, in fact, donated a million dollars of his own money to various causes. So it's a it's it's a complex thing. You don't have to necessarily be pro or anti what I, I'm always fascinated by. W- w- why? Like this is does Nike think they're just we're on the right side of history? And that's why we're good. We want to be on the right side of history. And that's why. Or are we trying to make money off of a younger generation and always be always be viewed as cool and hip and with it and with the times and anti-establishment when we as Nike are, in fact, establishment. I'm fascinated by the why. Not the what. Not the what. What? Nonetheless, Nike has chosen to completely take hold of all the football discussion thus far today. Nobody's talking about Vatek going into Tallahassee and smashing Florida State. Hell, even Jim Harbaugh is like, yeah, it's great. Everybody forgot that we lost Notre Dame, got down 14 to nothing, and our offensive line, same old, same old issues. People aren't talking about the non-troversy that is the controversy, quarterback controversy in Alabama, nor are we talking about the upcoming weekend in the NFL we're talking about cap. We're talking about Nike. We're talking about the NFL altogether. So I guess Nike wins in the, any publicity is good publicity. And I'm fascinated to see if this hurts their relationship with the national football league or if it even matters Like, like one of the reasons that many of us in our business are not outspoken about certain things that we don't like in the sports we cover is the fear of retribution from the places that we cover. Right? Like, look, I'm, I'm not a pro or anti-NCA guy. I don't believe college athletes should be compensated above that of, uh, of your scholarship. Um. But I will tell you that you're never going to get an anti-NCA rant out of somebody who covers the NCAA tournament because the NCAA will squash you. Bob Costas goes on an anti-NFL rant and he's gonna—he's no longer going to be covering the NFL for NBC. Whether he wanted to or not, it doesn't matter. That—that That is over. Dudes that are anti-football aren't going to be covering football because somebody who works for somebody in football picks up the phone and says, we don't want that guy covering football. But what happens when an entity as big and as powerful and frankly, as dynamic as Nike says, you know, we will support an anti-establishment guy when you're in bed with and you're part of the establishment. That to me is fascinating.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. From his website,
3: it's more fun now than ever. Said Brady, playing football at age forty-one. I feel like I understand the game better than I ever have, and I feel like it can be a lot more I can be a lot more decisive out there, especially over the last eight years or so. I've developed so much more intuitive sense of my surroundings on the field. I feel more comfortable out there because I've seen a lot of the same situations before. I've also trained hard this offseason to improve my movement and anticipation. All of that stuff I believe to be true. Right, there's this um There's a continuum. And at one end, you have your actual football town. The other one, you have your football IQ. And there's this kind of magical mix of your prime in the middle. But as long as you still have enough football skill, and your football IQ grows. I mean, we saw this from Peyton Manning after he missed a year because of those botched surgeries, right? He goes and has 50 touchdown passes. But then his body began to deteriorate. And even though his football IQ was off the charts, his body wouldn't cooperate. So Brady's saying like, look, my body still cooperates. My football IQ, I've seen everything for 18 years and I'm I'm good. But the word fun is interesting, isn't it? Right? Of all the words to put in the opening sentence on his website, it's more fun than ever. Because what did Lane Johnson of the Eagles say about the patriots they don't have fun that's the narrative outside of new england or people would leave new england it's not fun i want to have fun i want to win but i want to have fun so whether this is kind of rebranding or resetting who new england is and how they do things or this is brady telling establishing what his what his perception of fun is i don't think it's an accident that the word fun is in the sentence. It, it reminds me of some of those Dan Brown books, right? Where there's this coding in all the messages. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen in read Inferno. Very there's there's a certain um. What was the what's the last? Uh, oh man, what's what's um, buyer? Have you seen? Um. Uh, what's what's the? Mo- oh, I'm sorry, guys. Have, have, Ramos, you're that big movie guy. The last uh, Marvel, mo- the big Marvel movie of the of the summer, Infinity right? War. Infinity War. So the end of Infinity War, there's a certain inferno quality to it. I don't want to give away. Like I still think it's too early to give away. Most a lot of people have seen Infinity War, and you know that people die in it, or people. There's anyway they. They, they, I guess, die in it. Um, there's a similar kind of characteristic to the end of the book Inferno, which is a, damn, a Dan Brown thing. But the interesting part about Inferno, and this is all the Dan, is the coding within the messages, right? The message says one thing, but there's another kind of hidden meaning within it. And I may be crazy, but I kind of think that's what Brady's doing here. He he's not. None of this is wrong in his statement. Like I feel like I understand the game better. I've also trained hard this offseason, improved my movement, my anticipation. I've seen all of these same situations. Like none of this stuff is new to me. I know exactly what to do and how to do it. And like there are no new defenses and new schemes. Like I've seen everything by now. But the fact that in the opening sentence of a statement and kind of fake Q and A on his own website it has the word fun in it, I do not believe is an accident. I do not believe for one second that that's an accident. None. So, I'm fascinated to see what happens with the Patriots. We did this yesterday. You know, look, as much as college football gets off to a great start and you have uh, some really interesting games, probably the most exciting of which you had... Auburn and Washington was super exciting, and Michigan-Notre Dame, I thought, was really exciting at the end. I would tell you, I think that the NFL has done a great job. You have Eagles, Falcons on Thursday, Steelers in Cleveland, especially Cleveland played them close both times last year, and no Le'Veon Bell. Cincy-Indy, interesting because, you know, Cincy held on to Marvin Lewis, and Indy brings back Andrew Luck. Miami, Tennessee, Miami may have depleted all their talent, but they get Tannehill back, and they've gone character over talent. Meanwhile, Tennessee, they made the playoffs and still gutted their coaching staff. San Francisco, that has a lot of hope and hype going into Minnesota, that has a ton of talent, and they add Kirk Cousins. Houston, New England. Houston, New England's been the nemesis of Houston, but New England, like who is going to catch the ball outside of Gronk? For the Patriots, Tampa, New Orleans, eh, that's probably the only true dud. Jacksonville, Tom Coughlin runs that organization, taking on New York. The new look Giants with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. in his new contract. Buffalo and Baltimore. Buffalo shouldn't have made the playoffs. It's not for Baltimore spitting up all over themselves. Kansas City and LA, I've told people Pat Mahomes, I think he's going to have a huge year. Some mostly good, some bad. He'll throw some picks against the Chargers that are super talented. They bring back Antonio Gates. Seattle-Denver, I wish it was played five years ago. Washington, Arizona, another kind of dud. dallas Carolina's interesting. Chicago now with Khalil Mack. And Mr. Trubisky, year two, going against Green Bay. And and Aaron Rodgers, in the biggest contract in the NFL, dealing without Jordy Nelson, but they think they've gotten better. And then you got Sam Donald against the, the Detroit Lions and the Rams against the Raiders. The Raiders choosing to not play Khalil Mack and the Rams choosing to pay Aaron Donald. Man, there's a bunch of interesting games out there. But looking at the Patriots and this thought that the empire is collapsing and Tom Brady putting out in a statement on his website, it's more fun than ever. That word fun, not a mistake that it's in that sentence. Very much planned.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
3: Rick Patino joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, how are you?
1: I'm good, Doug. How about yourself?
3: I'm great. Um, I, I was kind of going through some of, so many of the other parts of your long and historically successful coaching career that I, I do think that because of how things ended at Louisville, they kind of get, get lost. We, we, we do what's most recently happened, and we forget um
1: is that why you come out with the book so quickly no i, I wrote this book because I, I i felt two things i felt i'm not going to coach anymore and the second reason i said i want a closure I, I was so tired of mistruths of inaccurate things being said i said i'm going to tell the truth and this book is 100 percent the truth and it's my story of exactly what happened a lot of people think I'm defending my actions and, and I'm not taking responsibility for the people I hire. Look, I'm not in coaching today because I take responsibility for what happened. Uh, if I, I made the wrong hires, and I suffered the consequences by the wrong hires. So, but I also hired 29 other people who have gone on to be Division One head coaches, starting from you know the Billy Donovan days, uh, Brett Brown played for me with the 76ers. Rick Carlisle played for me with the Knicks. And then I've ha- I have a bunch of people like Tubby Smith and Mick Cronin and Kevin Willard and uh, Division Two National Championship, Scotty Davenport, Marvin Menzies, and Andy Enfield at USC worked with me with the Celtics. So I have a bunch of people out there I'm very, very proud of who have done it the right way. And unfortunately, over a 30-plus year span, two things happened very close together that derailed my coaching career and, and I have to take responsibility for that.
3: I, I and you, to start, you said, you don't think you'll, you don't think you ever coach again. I've seen that you've said that in other places, but you, you clearly want to coach again, right? You nearly got a job th- this off season. So why are you convinced that you won't coach again?
1: You know, I just, I just think it's, it's in the best interest, um, uh, I'm still waking up, uh, let me say this, I, I've done things differently as a basketball coach. Uh, I, I do something that no other coach does. I don't say it's better, it's just different. Uh, I do player development from 8 to 8.45, 9 to nine forty-five, ten to 10 to 10.45, and 11 to 11.45, 11 in between class time, all offensive basketball to improve the skills of players. From Rozier to Gorky Zhang to Donovan Mitchell to all the players I've coached at Louisville, Kentucky. Providence College and Boston University. I did it with Brett Brown at BU every single day, Monday through Friday. And so I get up in the morning at 5:30. I put on my gym shorts, and I have no place to go. So I say that because I I do miss it terribly. But I don't think I'll coach again for the following reasons: the Southern District in New York, who got me basically fired. um, Jim Larinaga and I were mentioned in a complaint without a shred of evidence. I'm not on any wiretaps. I did nothing wrong. And they did it for only one reason. So far now, it's a four-year investigation, and four assistant coaches have been indicted. A runner, an AAU coach, who they since have exonerated because he kept the money, and uh, some uh, Adidas people. Outside of that, there hasn't been one head coach indicted. I will never be indicted because I've never given a player any money in my lifetime. But I was mentioned. Now, the motive for mentioning me is interesting. Because why did the U.S. attorney uh, for the Southern District in New York come out, and they said, they didn't mention me by name, but they say coached two in the complaint, and he coached at a university with 23,100 people. So a uh, second grader could figure out who that was. Sure, Jim Laranegar got an extension. Uh, some of the other coaches uh, where their assistant coaches got indicted got extensions, and I'm happy for all of them. But with me, uh, they implicated me. And I said to my lawyers right away, "Can we sue them? Let's sue them." And because they can't get away with something like this, no, coach. One of my lawyers worked at the Southern District in New York. He said they have total immunity. I said they can blow up. I say it in the book. They can blow up my life, leave me lying on the side of the road, and that's okay. Their response when my lawyers said that was, "We deal with collateral damage all the time," and that's what I am to them—collateral damage—and. I don't think I'll coach again because of what they have done. Okay. So that's why I say that there's,
3: there's, there's, there's a bunch I want to get to Rick Pitino kind of to spend some time with us. The book is Pitino. My story It's Doug Gottlieb show, Fox sports radio. Let's just start with the Brian Bowen recruitment. They, they don't have you on a wiretap or at least none of these wiretaps that we're told. I mean, look, they, they nearly took down Sean Miller as well, but we, we never heard any of that. And he, of course he's, he's survived there and, and so what was rumored to be on a wiretap either doesn't exist or wasn't on the wiretap. But there were supposedly calls between you and people involved before and after a meeting between Adidas and Christian Dawkins. I think so it's the, the there is there is there is some smoke to a kind of a smoking gun. Why? Why did those phone calls exist?
1: Well, you, I wish I wish I would have been on a, a wiretap and I'm not sure I wasn't. Uh, I'm just, They're just saying that I wasn't. I guess they can't lie about that, but I was not on a wiretap. Uh, Christian Dawkins called me up. I, I, I turned over all my emails, all my text messages to the Washington Post, and he said to me each time, uh, Hi, Coach, this is Christian Dawkins. You may remember me. I used to coach Dorian's pride, and you recruited one of the players, Jalen Johnson. He would always introduce himself. So I don't have a close relationship with this guy at all. Mm-hmm. He asked me if I was interested in Brian Bowen. He heard I was going to lose Donovan Mitchell. The family drove six hours with, uh, with their own money, all in the same car. We went to Griff's restaurant, which is like a Chick-fil-A. They paid half the tab. They put themselves up in a hotel. He no longer had any schools that he was recruiting. I asked him which schools were recruiting him. Uh, to this day, I don't think the young man or the mom knew anything that was going on. Jim Gatto, in the complaint, it said that I had three phone calls with Jim Gatto. That was not true. I had one phone call with Jim Gatto. The other two were voicemails that he left for me, and I left for him. The third uh, phone call was, hey, Rick, um, are you recruiting this kid Bowen? I said, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, I think, going pro. I'd like to have him. He would be a nice two-guard. He said, well, I know some of the family members. I'll put in a good word for you and some of the friends. I said, that'd be great, Jim. It was a short, boom, phone call. That was it. Then he sends me a congratulatory call. Afterwards, say, hey, congrats on getting the Bowen kid. What guy attempts to pay $150,000 calls and congratulates you on getting the kid if I was in on that type of thing? So that's exactly what went down. And in the book I say, and it's true, If look, Doug, I remember you as a, as a player at, at the high school stage. I knew your dad. And if you were Michael Jordan, I wouldn't give you $5 to come play for me. I wouldn't give it to you. It's just, it's just me. I'm not saying I'm holier than now. That's just the way I am. I believe in outworking people out-developing talent, out-strategizing people, out-conditioning people. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. But that's my beliefs. Um, I, I just don't believe in, in doing that. I don't believe in paying athletes um, and to come play for me. I just don't believe it. I,
3: I, look, ne- obviously neither do I, and my late father had an incredible amount of respect uh, uh, respect for you and the way in which you coached and did business and, and the way in which you developed players. I think what... What the, the naysayers would say is, hey, look, Rick Pitino is known for knowing everything about his players, everything. And, and even about your assistant coaches, like one of the things that you believed in was, hey, your assistant coaches, they got to live what what they're what they're talking about. You get no notes when you're speaking to the team. Right. They got to be in they got to improve their own physical condition because you can't be one of these guys that's a disciplinarian that has no self personal self discipline. And so they say, well, how can Coach Pitino know the body fat percentage of every player on the team, know be so incredibly involved in players in their lives, as well as the coaches in their lives and not know about what happened in a dorm during a visit or what happened during the recruitment of a player. What would your response be?
1: Well, it's, it's quite obvious, you know, people just have a difficult time listening when it comes to NCAA gave me a slap on the wrist. They investigated a hundred different people who said from security in the dorm to assistant coaches to everybody involved in the situation, they hit me with five games because I never, they say, investigated red flags. When I questioned the NCAA through my attorney, give us one red flag that I should have seen. They said, I'm not saying there were red flags. We're saying you didn't look for red flags. Well, why would I look for red flags? There was, I coached. 30 years, 40 as a head coach. And when a recruit came in to visit, I sat with them on Sunday. I said, what guys did you spend time with? What did you do last night? How did you like practice? What did you think of our style of play? What did you think of our strength coach? What did you think? think of our academic advisor? No, I didn't sit there and say, did you see any strippers last night? No, I, I, I wouldn't insult anybody by that line of questioning. So I, I said that to the NCAA exactly the way I'm saying it to you. They investigated everything and only gave me a five-game suspension, which I would have beaten. So they knew I knew nothing about it. Security in the dorm knew nothing about it. The assistant coaches say they knew nothing about it. Six players on the championship team, Luke Hancock, Van Trees, Gorky Zhang, said they never saw a single thing. And the most important thing, my nephews, whose father is on that dormitory, said, Uncle Rick, we never saw a single thing. So four times a year, Andre McGee, as it said in the book, the lady said dress up like a student. Security said we never noticed a single thing. So how the hell was I gonna know something? When someone makes the type of money we make today in coaching, do you think we're gonna risk something like that, that reprehensible behavior? We're gonna we're gonna risk something like that to ruin our careers with with bringing strippers into a dormitory? Okay. It just It lacks common sense, and any rational person who looks into it says, he's not going to do that, he's not going to subscribe to that, and do you think we're going to get a recruit? But the most amazing thing of it all, Doug, what I I find, we monitor social media as a staff. Not one thing in four years came about, and so no no recruit came in, tells a friend, and the friend gets on social media, boy, you, you see what's happening in Louisville. So those are all things that are out there. There's no way I could have known. And it was kept intentionally from me and because heads would have rolled if if I would have. The fact that when I first spoke with Andre McGee, it's in the book, he said, Coach, they did nothing wrong. They just listened to music. And obviously he was not telling me the truth because on the other line listening to the conversation was Kareem Richeson, the UMKC coach. And when he hung up, I said, Do you believe what Andre's saying? And he said, Yeah, I do believe him, Coach. And then obviously when I got back, from mexico i realized that that wasn't the truth
3: rick patino joining us on the doug gottlieb show on fox sports radio my, my read into it from uh, you know having a brother who's an assistant and having been recruited myself was i mean is it did you tell him hey keep him out of the bars you know don't keep him on campus and whatever, you know, keep them out of the bars cuz they're underage and, you know, get together and have a have a thing and get it, you know, just get it done. But was it was it the get it done mentality that I don't want to I don't care about how you get it done, just get it done. Get the kid to commit when he walks into my office the next day?
1: No, I told you, first of all, he his, the, the assistant coaches, I told them I said, "Look, I want to find out about this kid. I want I want him to watch practice. I want to see if he can if he can handle our practices cuz our practices are pretty tough." I want to. I want to know is he a basketball junkie. I want to know those things. Find out about him. Now, going into it, if I knew he was a basketball junkie, I'd say, boy, it'd be great if we could get it done. But I didn't tell Andre McGee that. Andre McGee's the operations guy. All he was responsible was for getting him up in in the morning for um, for practice or getting up for breakfast. It was the assistant coaches. It was Kevin Keats, Y King Jones. It was uh, Belotto. It was David Paget. Those guys were the ones responsible for getting it done. If we got a kid, Andre McGee was never going to get any credit. He was an operations guy.
3: Why would the, uh, why would the court want to come after you? Why would, as you said, your collateral damage, why, why would you be the target?
1: What do you think, Doug, when they, when they announce, when they come out and they get in front of all the cameras and they make an announcement that we're, invi- we're indicting four assistant coaches, an AAU coach, a runner, uh, do you think that's going to make national news?
3: It would have made, I mean, just you FBI and college basketball. I, I think one of the things that we operate in the world is, is in that um, there's this assumption that everybody's cheating on some level, right? That's just the, I'm, I'm just like, I, I, I never got anything and no one I ever played with the Notre Dame and Oklahoma state got anything. And yet there's this always been this assumption that basketball players, like there's always hundred dollar handshakes and there's occasionally, so I, I think that that there still would have been FBI college, but it would have been big, but you get, you know, you get a whale like a hall of fame coach like yourself who's won national championships. And obviously I get what you're saying in terms of it, it gets people's attention and scares the bejesus out of any of these other coaches. Is that what you're saying?
1: No, I think they used me for public to get the publicity with their case. Right. I don't think they had a shred of evidence with me. And I've said it. I mean, what, what normal, (laughs) um, what normal person, Writes in a book uh, about the Southern District in New York and goes after them if he's not hundred percent innocent. Because Doug, the, the first thing I did, I got an FBI agent who specializes in polygraphs, not not a lawyer to give me a, a bogus polygraph. An FBI agent gave me a polygraph. Did you know anything about the Adidas stuff? Did you know? Did you give anything to the Bowen family? Promise them anything? No. Passed the polygraph. The FBI agent went to the went with my lawyers to the Southern District of New York and told them he passed the polygraph, he knew nothing about it. So I write in the book see I don't I don't think there's corruption. I, I think it's less than I like I write in the book, I think it's less than ten percent. I think now it's much grander today than it was thirty years ago. Hmm. It's no you hear stories of hundred and fifty thousand, hundred thousand. I'm blown away by those numbers. And the fact that a shoe company, the fact that an agent or whoever would give that type of money, I think is insane. I mean, you're not talking about Michael Jordan. You're not talking about. You're talking about good basketball players who, you know, fifty percent of they may go to the NBA, they may not. So, uh, somebody sold Adidas a bill of goods.
3: Uh, last thing, Coach, we really appreciate you spending all this all this time with us. Um... You know, look, they're trying to – this investigation has caused them to try and make changes in how recruiting takes place, getting USA basketball involved. Um, is this a perception game? Is the reality? Like, how do you fix the perception? And what you're saying is it's less than 10%. How do you change the perception of how college basketball is being done?
1: Well, four years ago I went on a rant about shoe companies at a press conference. Now, it bites the hand that feeds me. They were paying me a million dollars a year to, to to wear a shoe. But I was saying it's wrong, so I can't recruit a kid who's playing on the Nike circuit or the Under Armour circuit because I'm an Adidas guy. This is absurd. I said, the whole thing is wrong. We need to get basketball back into the hands of high school coaches. If that, that I'm Nothing against grassroots basketball. They can do their thing, but we need to get uh, basketball. And what I suggested was to have four different regions, the South, the East, the Midwest and the West have the NCAA run the recruiting in the summer, invite the kids in like the five-star basketball camp. I go into detail in the book and then have us evaluate, bring the parents in, educate them on the rules, and then go from there. And then, because look, it's the agents, it's the runners, it's, it's all these things coming into college basketball. I don't, the coaches like Krzyzewski and Calipari and Roy Williams, and they're not going to risk the millions of dollars they were to, to give a kid money, they don't have to. It's, it's the people that uh, don't have those reputations that are sure. going to possibly break the rules.
3: Um, I said that was the last one. I, what's, I mean, look, I marvel at your career as, as a coach. And again, I, I do think the scandal, at least in the short term, is going to overshadow all of the great things. For somebody who doesn't want to pay attention to all of the things, what's the, what's the part of your career you actually are most, most proud of?
1: You know, Doug, player development is really, really important to me. It's not the seven Final Fours. It's not the two championships. It's not the Knicks. But here's an interesting thing I I told somebody today. I grew up. They said, who did you really admire growing up? It was two Italian coaches from New York. One was Vince Lombardi. The other was Joe Paterno. Growing up as a New Yorker, I looked at those two people as they they were football coaches. Well, they said, what about basketball? I said, "I, I admire John Wooden the most of any coach in the business. Then they immediately brought up Sam Gilbert. He said, mm-hmm. all his championships are tainted because of Sam Gilbert. I said, not in my eyes. And they immediately said, Joe Paterno. I said, Joe Paterno was a humble man who unfortunately went out the wrong way. So unfortunately, when time heals and these scandals go away and I'm exonerated from any of his nonsense... Maybe people will look back on on what I did with my assistant coaches, all the ones that did it the right way, and maybe they'll look back on the players I've cultivated. I didn't have a lot of one-and-dones. I didn't have any one-and-dones. Maybe they'll look at what I did uh, in between class time to make players better, and they'll remember me that way.
3: The book is Patino, My Story from Diversion Books. It's out today. Rick Patino. Coach, thanks so much for your time. Look look forward to catching up with you during basketball season.
1: Great, Doug. Anytime. Take care.
3: Rick Patino joining us. On the Doug Gottlieb show.